Welcome to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. This special series features some of Milwaukee's most distinguished leaders. They'll share how they overcame challenges, developed their skills, and achieved success, so you can gain insight and inspiration. And now, Leadership is in Session. Well, welcome, everybody. Today, we are back in the studio with our friend, Greg Oberland, retired president of Northwestern Mutual, for an episode of Leadership in Session. This is a session started by Athena Communications based on the wildly popular masterclass format, where we invite special guests, special leaders in Milwaukee to come in and share with our listeners their expertise, their leadership really help people learn how to actionize their legacy and things that they have learned in their very esteemed personal and professional career. So Greg, welcome in. Thanks, Becky. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. We are so happy to have you today. And we invited you in because you truly have and have left a legacy of leadership at one of the city's most widely admired companies, Northwestern Mutual. And you had a long tenure there. Can you talk to us about your journey going from when you started all the way through the end of your career when you retired? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. So Becky, you're right. I started with the company many years ago. (laughs) It's probably now over 40 years ago that I started there. And I came to Northwestern Mutual right out of law school. So I got recruited to be an attorney in the corporate law department there. And I served in that capacity for about five years. Everything was going great. Had a great career path within the law department. And one of my business clients approached me, and she wanted me to leave the law department and come over onto the business side and be part of her leadership team. And I have to tell you, that was not something I was thinking about. Again, was very happy being an attorney in the company and even considering some other opportunities. But being a business leader was not first and foremost on my mind. So it took me a little while, but she was persuasive. I made the move, and I will tell you that within about six to nine months, I realized I love being a business leader. I didn't realize how much fun this was going to be and how much challenge and how it would get me pumped up each day to go to work. So I realized early into that leadership journey that this is where I want to be. Now, fortunately, I was able to stay with Northwestern Mutual for another 30 years roughly, but I realized I wanted to be a business leader. That's really where I could best utilize my talents. And I think maybe the message for the audience is sometimes other people can see more clearly your potential than even you can. Because back then, early in my career, I just did not see myself as a business leader. But this client of mine, she saw something in me that I didn't and really pushed me. So it's a or I should say pulled me, pull strategy over to the business leadership role rather than me pushing for it. And I'm so grateful she did it because it opened up just a wonderful career for me there. It also got me involved with different organizations in the city as in board leadership. And so I served on a variety of nonprofit boards and continue to do that. So I really, my whole life was changed from that, uh, from that move. And I'm so glad that I did that. Isn't it interesting how things work out? 
So I'd love for you to illuminate for our listeners, maybe some of the challenges you face. What did you learn about yourself as you were pouring yourself into that new role? Something you didn't anticipate, maybe unexpected challenges that turned into joys. What, what powered you each day? What got you out of bed as you were facing those new challenges in an entirely different field from what you anticipated you might have been doing? Well, I will tell you right, right at the start, when I made the move over, the business area I was working in was an area that I used to do legal work for. So I came over and one of the first things I had to realize is I had to stop thinking like a lawyer. And fortunately, my boss who brought me over, she was an attorney by background as well and had made the transition very successfully at the company. And she was the one who sat me down early on and just said, Greg, you got to stop thinking about being a lawyer. You, you got to be the business leader and make the decisions because I think I was overanalyzing things, looking at both sides of an issue and all that. And she really pushed me to, no, you're the one in charge. You've got to evaluate the information and make a decision and move forward. So that was one real aha is like, yes, I've really changed professions here. Yes. <laughs> I'm no longer an attorney giving advice. I'm the person who's actually making the decision on behalf of the company, and I'm going to be accountable for that decision. But I very quickly realized that was something I was comfortable with, but it required a mindset change. So I had to open myself up and be willing to make that mindset shift and be think more like a business leader and not as an attorney. So, so that was one that hit me very early on. A second one was I'm a natural people person. I'm a very empathetic type of person as well. And early on in my career, when I had people on my team who were struggling a little bit, I naturally stepped in with, oh, I'm going to help you out and I'm going to help you do that part of your job you're mm -hmm. struggling with. And again, that boss, who was a great mentor for me, brought me in again, <laughs> sat me down and again told me that, Greg, no, the people you hire have to do the job. Yes. You can't do the job for yes. them. And she really brought home the point that when you try to do their job in addition to your job, you're not spending your time on the right things. You're not focused on the things you should be focused on. And again, you're not doing them any favor because they're not growing and developing if you're a crutch for them or you're helping them get through. So that was another one where very early on I thought, okay, you're right. I've got to make very clear, set very clear expectations with people about what's needed in the leadership role. I've got to hold them accountable. I've got to give them any support I can or training to help them succeed. But at the end of the day, they have to do the job. And if they can't do the job, and I've given them an adequate period of time to demonstrate whether they can, then I've got to make the move of pulling them out of that job, moving them somewhere else, or moving them on. And I'll tell you, that kind of refer to it as my due process style of management. Mm. So <laughs> being trained as a lawyer, if I give someone due process and then they can't do the job, I'm able to sleep at night with the decisions that I make about people. And I needed to do, have that framework early on because otherwise I'd agonize over these things because I'm such a people person. But with this framework, I was able to very clearly work through this, think very clearly and make the right decisions for the organization. So you referenced something that I like to think about a lot, mindset. And it sounds to me like in your expertise and your experience, you were using both sides of the brain, right? That was critical to your success. But how important is that is ensuring that you are just coming to the table with the right mindset? How do you flip a mindset if you're just feeling like you're stuck or just, oh, I don't know how to solve this? 
Oh, that, so that's a great question. And every leader, if they're honest with you, will tell you they, they face those moments. And for me, I will tell you that it was the realization that I am the leader, but I've also got a team of other talented people. And I think if you're focused on hiring good people, as a matter of fact, I always tried to hire people who I thought were even maybe better than I was, at least in some area or some aspect of the job. So if you're hiring talented people and you're empowering them, then I think you can come to the table when you're struggling with something and say, hey, gang, I'm struggling with this. I'm not sure how we should proceed. I'd like to get your opinion on this before I make my decision. And again, if you have again, engaged, empowered these people, and they trust you as a leader, they should open up and really be giving you their honest, direct opinion on what needs to be done in the organization. And I found that was extremely helpful to me with those difficult ones of getting different viewpoints, mixing that in the pot. And at the end of the day, I had to make the decision. I had to make the call, but it was with more information, more perspective than I had before I started the process. So that was one way that I found that I could switch my mindset a little bit, be more open, take in other ideas as I was dealing with difficult subjects. I love that. And it sounds also to be a little bit like you're talking about transparency, vulnerability. What are your thoughts about embracing those characteristics as a leader when you are the person who is looked to, to make decisions, to implement initiatives that affect a lot of people? Yeah, that's another great question. So I think the whole issue of vulnerability is very tightly wrapped up with the issue of ego. So I think there are some who have the mindset that as a leader, you are the one who is supposed to have all the answers. You're not supposed to show any vulnerability to the people who are part of your team or part of your organization. And that is a sign of strength for you somehow. But I really think it's feeding your own ego that somehow you know better than everybody else and you've got the best knowledge or information. And, um, and I've got to say, it took me a little while to get to have the confidence in myself as a leader to recognize that being vulnerable to others is actually a great sign, I think, of strength. <laughs> I think to be honest with folks and to really share how you really feel about something, share what you're going through emotionally, but also to admit that you don't have all the answers to be vulnerable with people actually can end up being a strength for you because I think people relate to you more naturally as a human being because nobody's perfect and nobody mm -hmm. has all the answers. So when they see that you are open and that you trust them and you're willing to be vulnerable, they in turn, I believe, come in closer, tighter with you and you form an even stronger relationship than you had before. Because I will tell you, Becky, one of the things, especially as you move up in an organization, the higher you go, the biggest issue you have is, will people tell me what I need to hear? Yes. As opposed to what they think I want to hear. Yes. And you will have people in an organization who work very hard to try to think, where's Becky's head at on this? I want to make sure I keep her happy and I tell her stuff that she wants to hear. When in fact, you need to hear what is honestly, accurately happening in an organization or around an issue. And when you have people who do that for you, that is like gold. <laughs> Because again, the higher up you go, the harder it is to get that honest input from people. So when you're vulnerable and you form a trusting relationship, you can you develop more of those relationships where they'll be honest with you. 
Yeah, I love that you shared that. I think all of us have been in those positions or have seen others be in those positions. And it is, it can be overwhelming. It can be frightening. You're putting a little bit of your personal and professional reputation on the line in those situations. But overall, if you're keeping the organization or your company's mission at the center of all you do, it really is in the best interest of employees. Maybe we're talking about stakeholders, et cetera. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it, I could tell just in my interactions with you, that is something that you did work as you were working with your team and your employees and your colleagues that you brought with intention every single day. And one of the other things I also know to be true about you is that you have been a fierce champion for conversations about equity and not just conversations, but action around equity. Can you talk to us about that? Yes. And you are right. Equity has been very important, very central to me. And as I think back, I I think it was something that's probably ingrained in me at a young age, just in, in terms of my the way I was raised, my family. I'm the youngest of six. I've got a brother who's four years older than I've got four sisters who are even older than much older than that. So I think especially with my sister and seeing their commitment to social justice issues, racial equity and the like as I was growing up, that just got hardwired into me. And so when I started in the work environment at Northwestern Mutual, Back when I started, and again, this is not a negative on the organization, but back when I started, it was very hierarchical. It was very white male dominated at the time. And there was a certain way you were expected to act and behave within that organization. And I remember it was probably the one aspect of the company that I didn't enjoy quite as much. Mm. I loved the people. I loved the work I was doing. I loved the mission of Northwestern Mutual. I loved the value we provided to our policy owners. But that kind of white male hierarchical structure even though here I am a white male, just didn't fit with the way I viewed the world at that particular time. So one of the things that I told myself is if I someday have a chance to be in a position of influence, it's my job, my duty, obligation to try to change this organization. And fortunately, I don't want to take, say I'm the main driver on this. There were other leaders before me who did a great job of moving the company in a much more equitable direction a much more diverse direction. But I had my opportunity as well when I rose up in the organization and it pointed out right, reaching the level of president of the organization that I could be a strong voice for the importance of equity in our environment and the importance of diversity and inclusion and allow people, allowing people to bring their full selves to work because I knew how it was for me feeling yes. I couldn't express certain things because it didn't fit with the kind of mainstream thinking of the organization. And that troubled me, bothered me. It made me feel like it wasn't being authentic. So as I became a leader, it was my, um, my passion to open the windows, so to speak, of the organization and allow diversity of thought to come in, diversity of people to come into the organization and respect people for who they are. And as long as we're all working toward the goals of the organization, there shouldn't be any problem with diversity, equity, and inclusion in Northwestern and Northwestern continuing to be successful. And as a matter of fact, in order for the organization to thrive, because we thrive based on the talent we bring in, we were depriving ourselves of the opportunity to bring the right talent into the organization by not being more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. And I go back to a word we used just a little bit ago, vulnerability. What kind of vulnerable position did that put you in, even though you were the leader? Yeah, uh, it did. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the time I felt the most vulnerable was getting up in front of a big audience of home office employees. I think it was the whole management group. 
and actually sharing my feelings of being at a younger stage of my career there and how I did not feel that the environment was inclusive and the mm. issues that I struggled with. And, and I remember it was a hard thing for me to say, okay, I'm going to admit to these people my yes. struggles and so forth, even though I've made it to a high level of the organization. But I felt I had to be honest with them about my journey. And through hearing me talk about my struggles, which, and I will tell you, Becky, mine were minor compared to what other people mm. dealt with in the organization who had a different background than I had. So for me to tell my story was important that others could hear and realize, okay, this is getting the light of day. This topic, this issue of people not being able to bring their authentic selves to work is something that the top leaders recognize, understand, and want to change. So if we were going to move forward as an organization, they had to see their leaders become vulnerable on this issue. Yeah, it is a wonderful reminder how connected we are as humans. You may not look like me. I may not look like you, but all of us struggle. All of us have those, those problems and those concerns and those fears. But if we are able to level set and share, it's part of a shared human experience that I think is so powerful. And the fact that you as a leader were able to bravely stand up in front of that group and share. And speaking of sharing, you have shared your time with a lot of different organizations in Milwaukee. I know that to be so important to you. Will you talk to us about your involvement with the Milwaukee Rep? What drew you to become involved? What inspires you now that you are, have moved into a different season of your life? Yeah. yeah, I've been involved, as you said, with a number of different organizations in the city, which has been wonderful, wonderful experiences for me. But I've spent the last roughly nine years with the Milwaukee Repertory Theater serving uh, most recently, three years as president of the board. And I've always had a love for live theater. So this was an easy organization for me to get become affiliated with. Always loved seeing live performances. And so to have the opportunity to actually go deep and go behind the curtains, so to speak, and see how a theater is run and how they put everything together was fascinating for mm -hmm. me, a real learning experience. But the other thing I really appreciated was the fact that I think I was there at the right time the leaders of the Milwaukee Repertory Theater when I came on board, Mark Clements, the artistic director, Chad Bauman, the executive director, they were moving the theater in a very purposeful direction, and diversity and inclusion and equity were very much a part of the way they wanted to steer the theater. So that kind of fit right in with kind of my passion about organizations. So I think I was on the board and a leader there at the right time with the right team of leaders. And... If you think about it, the arts is a wonderful way to bring people together to talk about issues that are tough to talk about. Yes. You and I, we could look, go to an art museum and see a piece of artwork and it would engender discussion about what does that really mean? What are you seeing? What am I seeing? A musical composition can move us the same way. With the rep, it's this performance on stage and the rep has teed up some just wonderful productions. And to Mark Clement's credit, they're not pedantic productions. They're not telling you how to think about an issue, but they're dealing with important issues in our society that give you different perspectives and allow you to come together with people and talk about it. And the rep's done a wonderful job of having these after the performance opportunities where you can gather with people if you so choose and talk more about what you just saw. And I've been involved with a number of those things. And I will tell you, um, those discussions afterwards are, are even more meaningful than the production mm -hmm. I've seen on stage because you're with different people in the community that you normally might not rub shoulders with 
who are sharing their lived experiences with you around an issue. And when you hear that, it's incredibly impactful and it really shapes your thinking on something, helps change your thinking on something. Yes, the rep is a great friend of Athena Communications. We are so lucky to have such a vibrant art scene in this city. It, so many cultural anchor institutions that we, we all love to patronize. And what else is keeping you busy? What else are you doing? Yeah, so I'm spending a lot of time right now with on the board of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. And you may know, I guess I know Ellen, Ellen Gilligan has been a past participant yes. in this that the North Star for the GMF right now is racial equity. So again, back to that same topic I've told you that has played throughout, has been weaved throughout my career and my life. So it's the North Star for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. I think Ellen, her team are doing a marvelous job in this area. The board is very committed to this. And uh, Becky, I will tell you, for me, it's been an interesting process because I think within the last 10 years, I've done a little role reversal here. Here I've been a leader of organizations and helping shape the direction of how we need to move. And now I'm in a space where I've switched back to being, I need to be led. I need Hmm. you to help educate me. I need you to help me grow on my ED&I journey because I don't have the answers and I don't have some of the lived experiences that are important in really getting at the heart of this. And the GMF has done just a wonderful job of providing opportunities for me to go deep on some of these issues and for me to unlearn things from the past that were not accurate and change my view on, views on things. And the other thing is to back away from this notion that I have to come to the table with answers. What I'm trying to do is participate, engage with others, and I think there are others in our community with the lived experiences who can really help guide us to the answers, to the right approaches for how we need to deal with this issue and these issues in our community. So spending time there, it's a journey for me. I'm fortunate to have some people who are helping to mentor me. Four years ago through United Way, I got involved in a program called Partnership Milwaukee, and I got paired up at that time with a local leader at the YMCA, Sinead Jenkins, totally different background than mine. And I felt sorry for her at first because they thought, oh, she got stuck with this old guy. (laughs) She's a young and dynamic person. But we started together, went through that program for a year, and then we both looked at each other and said, well, we're not stopping it. We're going to keep going. And as a matter of fact, this morning, I just had kind of a mentoring session with Sinead at Sam's place. Yes. And, And she's been a wonderful kind of mentor to me in this racial equity space. And in turn, I tried to help her with her professional career and development as a leader within the National Y organization. So a, a legacy of leadership indeed with our friend Greg Overland. More legacy setting to come, Greg, no doubt. I know you are keeping busy and it's great to have you here today. It's great to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing and for sharing your tips and your ideas and your thoughts and reminding people that even as a leader, there's still space to grow and learn. Well, thank you. Thank you. The last thing I think I would like to say maybe to our listeners is there are some issues out there like the racial equity issue and how it manifests itself in our community that just can seem overwhelming at times. And it can seem like, oh, too big, too big. We can't deal with it. But I really encourage people, especially those who really want to make a difference in the community, to lean in on this. And again, don't feel like you have to have the answer and don't feel like it's going to be solved right away. But I do believe in the power of people coming together and leaning in, embracing the question of racial equity. Why do we have these racial inequities in our city? Having a beginner's mind, being open mm. to new information and new approaches and new things. 
And I do think collectively we can move this forward in a very direction. And by doing so, I think we um, allow Milwaukee, our community, to truly realize its full potential. I, to me, this is the one area that I think is holding us back. And if we can improve on this, I think we make Milwaukee a better place, a stronger place, and a more economically viable city. Yes, a city both of us love so much. I agree with you 100%. We know there is work to do, but with energy and efforts from leaders like you and others who are actually putting in the time, walking the walk, we are making strides. I also truly believe we will get there. It's not easy and it is not always fun, but the end result is worth it for the people and our neighbors and our communities. So again, Greg Overland, thank you. Thank you so much, Becky. Thanks for listening to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. Be sure to catch all eight enlightening episodes. And don't forget to connect to On the Edge of Equity with Tammy Belton Davis, available wherever you get your podcasts.